Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The championship season is over, and what a season it was. But the best is yet to come. It's the playoffs. Who will make it to the Premier League? And who will be left heartbroken at Wembley? Stay across it all with the second tier. We're bringing you episodes after every leg. And in between, we're revisiting the greatest moments in playoff history. It's real conversation with two real championship obsessives. So you can be in the know about everything happening in the playoffs. And share all your new knowledge in the pub with your mates. So come join us. We're your one-stop shop for the playoffs. Search second tier in your podcast app. And hit subscribe. up on this episode of White Wine Question Time. If you do raise your voice or shout or scream or, or you know, lose the plot, then you have literally lost control. And if you lose control, that's it, you're gone. Then he looked at me and he said, okay, how much do you want for your restaurant? I'll buy your restaurant, name your price. And I said, no, you're not having this restaurant. It's not for sale. Stop out the cigar or off you go. And he stubbed out his cigar, gave me the ashtray and carried on eating and he was back in his place. Lou Gavroche was founded by my father and uncle. If I were to sell that, it would be like selling my right arm. It would be like selling my soul. No money in the world would be able to you know, yank my arm off. Cook some dinner, rustle something up for Giselle. We can pop a cork on a nice bottle of wine and, uh, and watch a movie on Netflix or, I don't know, EastEnders. I haven't watched EastEnders. But is it still on, by the way? It is, apparently, yes. <laughs> but you're, you must be at least 30 years since you were able to catch it on a regular basis. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest today is, well hands down one of the world's most celebrated chefs who comes from a culinary dynasty who've revolutionized the way we eat. Born in Kent in 1960 to French parents, the chef Albert Roux and his wife Monique, he literally spent his first day of life in the kitchen and, well, he's never left. 
He grew up on the wealthy country estate of the Cazalet family. They were horse trainers to the Queen Mother and his parents were their chefs. His love of food was evident from the get-go, preferring to play with dried pasta and flour rather than the conventional toys of childhood. When he was seven, his dad and Uncle Michelle, who he's named after, pulled their savings, a grand total of £1,500 at the time, and decided to open their dream restaurant. They called it Le Gavroche. It was in London, and it fast became the restaurant by which all others were and are measured. On its opening night, it hosted Charlie Chaplin, Robert Redford and Ava Gardner. A few years later, it became the first restaurant in the UK to be awarded a Michelin star, and then another in quick succession, and eventually a third. By the time he was 16, the family business was flying, and he moved to Paris, crashing on his grandmother's sofa while studying an apprenticeship in pastry making. At 18, he landed a job as a chef at Alain Chapelle's three Michelin-starred restaurant near Lyon before being drafted for his French military service in order to retain his dual citizenship. But instead of training for battle, he was put to work in the most prestigious kitchen in France at the Elysee Palace, helping its army and dignitaries to march on a full stomach. But in the late 80s, he was summoned back to the UK to work at Le Gavroche by his father. And in 1991... He officially took over running the place. During his 35 years in charge, he's grown the family's legacy, which has seen some of the best chefs in the world come through their kitchens, be it Marco Pierre White, Pierre Kaufman, Marcus Waring or Gordon Ramsay. But whilst the restaurant's legacy and the Rue's legacy will live on, a few weeks ago, 56 years after its doors first opened, he made the decision, the difficult decision, to close the restaurant in search of a better work-life balance, wanting to be more present with his wife, his daughter Emily and his two grandchildren. But this doesn't mean he's retiring just yet. He's keeping the name and taking it on tour and to the high seas and is marking this new chapter with a book about home cooking, which is exactly where I would expect to find him today. Although, hmm, turns out not so much. He's still at the restaurant he closed just four weeks ago. Let's dial him in. It's Michelle Rue. How are you, sir? I'm wonderful. Thank you for uh, an extraordinary intro. What an extraordinary life. <laughs> well, it's not over yet as well. Exactly. <laughs> thus far, I should have said, thus far. And do you know what? I thought, oh, my goodness, we're going to get to see him at home today. But no, you're still in the restaurant, <laughs> the restaurant that's closed. You're like the captain on his, on his ship that the passengers yeah. have, you know, left. And it's just you there. You've just showed us around. It's, it's, it's ghostly. It is, and it, it's quite emotional actually walking into here this uh, in the mornings and and to see the place. It's it it is empty save for a couple of staff that are here. They're helping me to box up the wines and to clean up the place. Uh, it's 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 well, it's been a month now since the last service. Yeah, so it's taken us uh, all that time to box up the wines, empty the cellars, uh, clear everything, find stuff that we lost about 10 years ago. You know, <laughs> you know like when you move house. You... <laughs> so annoying. When? That's where it is. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. There's, there's been lots of those moments. But, it, I mean, it's 56 years in service. So, well, I mean, obviously not in that particular building, but between the two um, locations, 56 years. So you've never sat in that restaurant and, unless it's a national holiday where it hasn't been opened. That's, well, that's right. Uh, other than the lockdown. 
Uh, and that 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 was quite uh, well, quite quite scary and and very very emotional, um, tough because that was the first time the business actually was forced to close. Mm. Uh, very very difficult. I was I was very close then to actually stopping and giving up. Were you? Because I know your dad was also um, your dad was also with with us then, um, and he too was losing sleep over what mm. was going to become of not just your restaurant but the industry as a whole. It was yeah. a time where I think any chef that cared really felt it, really felt it. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's something that we we certainly don't want to go through again. No. Uh, and a lot of restaurants, a lot of people working in hospitality and businesses. Are still suffering from lockdown, still paying for it. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's very very difficult. Uh, we wouldn't want to go through that again. So clearly, I was I was expecting to find you like I say, sat at your kitchen table, having you know pop something on <laughs> some drama on ITV three, and living a semi retired life. Not a bit of it. Here you are. It looks like you've been there every day as well, from what you're saying. So you, you clearly yeah. are. I was going to say, how is it cutting the cord? But I'm going to say you haven't quite got the scissors out yet. <laughs> Not quite. No, no, no. This morning, I mean, I had uh, several meetings, and I've, I've literally just finished uh, having a meeting with the accountant. Uh, because there's a lot of financial tying of ends and, mm. uh, that needs to be done when you close a business and closing a business in the right way. So looking after everybody, looking after the staff, looking after uh, the way that we pay all our suppliers and the lease. So that there's a lot, a lot to be done. And, uh, and, and, and it's very important that I do it in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I fully respect that. Um, how was your last service? Oh, the, the last service was um, was mm, very, very emotional. Um, so, so the last service, I, I had two last services. I had the last service of paying customers, um, oh. and and that was that was probably more difficult for the team for the staff than it was for me, um, but but. We kind of manipulated the bookings so that we only had really regular guests and people that that, that, that we knew and, and were almost not paying customers. They were, they were more like friends and family. Mm -hmm. So there was a wonderful atmosphere. Um, and then the actual last uh, day was, or last evening, was just for me personally, uh, very close family, close friends, and uh, that was that was more emotional for me then. I bet. What was more emotional, walking your daughter down the aisle and giving her away, or that? Ah, oh, well, actually, now that that is a story because <laughs> I didn't walk my daughter down the aisle. Did you not? She no, 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 no. no. She she did like myself and Giselle. She eloped. Uh -huh. So there was no nobody invited. I wasn't invited, which was a little bit, you know, I was, I was a little bit peeved at that. But but I couldn't get angry because I did you the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Saved you me a lot of money as well. thumping going, this is outrageous. <laughs> You've done exactly what we did. <laughs> it works for me and Giselle, so I'm pretty sure it's going to work for Emily and Jago. Um, and Emily and Jago, um, I should point out, also chefs. Uh, run a fantastic restaurant in Notting Hill. 
And I know that you discussed the possibility of, you know, was there an appetite from their end to step in mm. at Le Gavroche? But they, they, they were already on their own path and said, no, thanks, Dad. And yeah, absolutely. So that kind of informed your decision, right? Yeah, it, it did, uh, most certainly, because I, I had that conversation with Emily and Diego uh, a while back. And they said to me, no, we don't want to do that. We want to do our own thing. We want to have our own restaurant and forge our own way in this, you know, in the hospitality world. And they're doing a great job and doing really well. So, yeah, no, no regrets. No, absolutely. Well, you know, you obviously knew that the time was right. And you've timed it perfectly because you've got a new cookbook out, uh, which is all about home cooking, which actually you're going to get mm -hmm. to do now. Because I can't imagine that there's many days then you're behind your own stove. That's true. Although we're taking Le Gavroche on the road, as it were, and, and at sea, don't forget, because yes, of uh, course. Uh, I'm going to be doing some work with the Queen Mary and the Queen Anne. Um, but uh, so these aren't these aren't sorry these aren't relic, uh, dead royals. These are boats. Trying to raise the dead, just entertain the seafarers. <laughs> So what does that look like? Because, you know, you're, you're designing what menus for them, but I'm guessing that they're going to want you on board as well at some point. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to be on board about 30 days a year. Uh, so um, not only as a consultancy role and uh, helping them train some chefs and uh, all of that, but also running one of the restaurants when I'm going to be on board. Nice. Which you're passionate about, right? You really believe that a chef should be seen in his kitchen and by the people that are dining at his restaurant, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think I was one of the few chefs that was actually still in their kitchen and in their restaurant um, nine days out of ten, for example. Mm -hmm. Guests would come here to get Russian. They knew I was here most of the time I was here, and I would go out and greet everybody and uh, because for me, a restaurant is not just about the food, you know, it is hospitality and hospitality means you have to look after your guests in a certain way. Uh, and me being the boss and the, and the chef, then I had to go out and greet everyone. Mm. It's that front of house touch that's so important. Oh, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of chefs get it wrong. They think that, you know, their customers will come just solely for the food no that's not true that's not true because bad service can ruin your food all sorts of things inform the night if even lighting you know mm. the ambiance the setting yeah the le the noise levels in the restaurant um yeah and so the, the so buzz much. and the atmosphere is created obviously by the guests you know enjoying themselves and, and laughter and all of that but that comes also from the top it comes from how the, the the boss treats everybody, speaks to everybody, and by that I mean not just the guests, but the, the front of house team and the kitchen. And so you speak to them in a certain way, and, and you make it in that they are enjoying what they're doing, and that rubs off onto your guests. Mm -hmm. uh, and I always say as well that I can always tell a plate of food in front of me if it's been cooked by a happy or a grumpy chef. And what, by that, how? I mean, yeah. Well, by, by that, I mean, if a chef is, if, it, if it's a shouty kitchen, uh, and if they're throwing plates around and shouting and screaming, uh, then their food is never going to be as uh, warm and loving and fulfilling as a chef 
with a cooking with a smile on his face and having a nice controlled atmosphere in the kitchen where everybody is working together. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I can tell. You know, you can, well, you've worked with both, right? They've come through your kitchens, both Marco Poy and Gordon. Very shouty, but very much a product of the Rue family kitchen. Yes, true. And both of them, I suppose, have got that um, that kind of fiery character that we've seen on television. But let's not forget that's entertainment as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's amped, isn't it? Amped up. Yeah, it is a bit. <laughs> yeah. Although we've had Marcus Waring on and he said even he used to be, you know, kind of guilty of losing it sometimes, um, you know, letting Not, his temper uh, get the better I of him. I put my hand up too. I, uh, you know, I think all chefs have occasionally lost their uh, lost their call and uh, I uh, put my hand up on me too. But But I hate it because if you do raise your voice or shout or scream or, or you know, lose the plot then you have literally lost control. And yeah. if you lose control, that's it. You're gone, aren't you? Yeah. You're pickled. Yeah. <laughs> and not in literally. a good way. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've devised three questions for you that I hope will uh, afford us the opportunity to explore um, parts of your life and what a life it's been thus far. Um, so can we dive into question number one? Mm. Obviously, a kitchen marches on the chant of yes, chef, but you are the chef that has become quite well known for saying no. And as in life with cooking, timing can often be everything. And you seem to have this ability to pull back and walk away when others would run at an opportunity. Um, to close down something like Le Gavroche when so many people were, were probably dangling mighty carrots under your nose mm. to keep either keep you going or to say, well, just sell it to us. We'll give you silly money. But you, you, you've, you've said no to a lot of things that people would fall over themselves to say yes to. So where does that courage of conviction come from? Gosh, where to start? I, I, I think it's... Uh, well, number one, I suppose I'm not materialistic. So if people start showing big wads of cash in front of me and saying, look, you can buy yourself a Ferrari, you can do this, that, and the other. And I say, no, really? I've got all I want, really. I'm, I'm healthy. I've got a, two grandchildren. Um, what else do I need in life? I've got a you know, beautiful wife. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy. Okay? So is the addition of something else like a Ferrari or a mansion in the countryside going to make me feel happier? No, not really. But I'm, I'm also, I've also got principles. Mm. And the principles will over, override anything else. Because Lou Gavroche was founded by my father and uncle. I, I've been at the helm 35 years, which was far longer than my father and uncle were. If I were to sell that, it would be like selling my right arm. It would be like selling my soul. I can't do that. There's no way. No money in the world would would, would be able to you know, yank my arm off. So it's precious. It's part of me. Uh, and it means so much to so many people that it would be wrong. Absolutely. It would be criminal to sell it on and then a few years down the line, 
it would no longer be what all of these people enjoyed and have such wonderful memories about. I think you're right about it meaning a lot to people. I think people that have never even uh, eaten at Le Gavroche, but just know of it, mm. were devastated when you shut the doors. People that have never would never have the opportunity to come and dine there for a multitude of reasons, be it financial, geographical, whatever. But people care about it because it was the spine from which a food revolution grew. And, you know, so many great chefs, yourself included, have come from that kind of the chutzpah that came out of two men coming together, two brothers and mm-hmm. saying, we've got 1,500 quid, let's go, you know. Yeah. Fly yeah, yeah. No, it is. I mean, it's, it's part of um, the UK's gastronomic revolution and history in, in many ways. Which is when you look at the food scene now, French food really doesn't feature as a leading kind of um, cuisine. And yet, really, you guys were it. You were, you started what became a food scene. With that, you know, when we wind back to, to when your uncle and your dad opened the restaurant, there wasn't really a restaurant scene, was there? Very little. I mean, the, the food scene uh, in the UK back in the 60s and 70s was, was practically non-existent. Mm. Uh, there were a few restaurants independents, but, but very, very few. Uh, and then the, you had the restaurants in the hotels, which were really solely there for the very, very affluent. Yeah, I mean, we had Dame Prue Leith on and she was talking about when she got started. And she got started as a as a cook uh, by doing kind of posh director's lunches in the city because yeah. there were no restaurants for them to be hosted. So yeah. they would bring somebody in. Yeah, that's, that's 100% in. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dad, dad and uncle started a, an outside catering business in the 70s as well, doing just that, um, you know, providing food for the bankers in, in the city, yeah. the old city of London. So you, you, you knew that there was no way, no matter how big the cheque, no matter how many noughts, that, you, that, mm. that Le Gavroche was for sale. Because Le Gavroche, spelt backwards or differently, or however you want to carve it up, is actually R-O-U-X. It's the Rue brand. It's the Rue family. It is. Absolutely. I could be called Michel Gavroche rather than Michel Roux. <laughs> it would be exactly that. It would fact, be the same. Really, really, really odd um, for me, I suppose, but endearing in, in, in many ways. Uh, there's a family that came in to dine uh, just before COVID, and uh, they introduced me to their son. It was called Gavroche. Oh. Yeah. It's unreal, isn't it? It really is unreal. And, you know, uh, so many so... people will tell you in business, first rule of business, like, you know, lead with your head, not with your emotions. And you've done absolutely the opposite at every twist and turn with the way you've steered Le Gavroche. You've led with your heart and not by, you know, the end of year accounts. And mm. I think there's something to be applauded uh, in that because we're, it's drilled into us not to do that and actually sometimes caring is is invaluable. I, I think it's it's part of the success story of, of Le Gavroche and the reason why it's been, uh, you know, around for so long. Uh, and it's, it, it's, I think what, what, what some people don't quite realise is that it still or still was uh, a a family run mm. business and small it was not part of a big chain or not part of a, a restaurant group it, it's just a standalone 
individual sort of independent business and relatively small. Yeah, very much so. I mean, there's no doubt that you could have rolled it out like an ivy. Mm. I can't imagine for one minute that that would have sat well on your plate. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. <laughs> there's, there's no way I would have agreed to do that. No. And, and because the compromising of quality, the, the compromise of the brand, the fact that it was but, a money, it would be money before integrity. All, all of that. Um, but also the fact that it would dilute all of those wonderful memories of people that have dined here over the last uh, 50 odd years. You know, it's special. People fly, when I announced that I was closing, um, people flying in from all over the world, uh, New Zealand, Australia, America, China, just to come and dine for a last time or a first time and last time at the Gavroche. Wow. There you go. From the heart, not the pocket. Mm. I love that. The same, I think, could be said of your decision, which must have, like, I'm, I'm assuming you have an agent, right? And you certainly have a publisher. So when uh, you walk away from big opportunities with your media work, because you'd rather be in the kitchen, they must literally be headbutting their desks, going, for God's <laughs> sake, sell some books. I mean, I've asked you about your book three times, and so you just keep going back to talking about other stuff. I mean, you're, you're a hopeless salesman, but a phenomenal chef. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right on that. Uh, yeah, they, they do get a little bit um, peeved with me and say, you should be doing more for this. You should be promoting your book more or, you know, sign, signing up for this program, that program. But if I were to say yes to every single opportunity on the television, I mean, I, I would, people would know me more for my TV work than they know me for my restaurants. And that, that's just wrong. I need a balance, or I needed a balance. Uh, and that balance was, was very much more focused on the restaurant and as a kind of side job, as it were, uh, yeah. to do some media stuff and uh, TV work. Yeah, I mean, it was quite literally your amuse-bouche, wasn't it? It was never <laughs> going to be a main course for you. And, and, um, and I think you must have really frustrated, for example, you know, organizations, organizations like the BBC who, I mean, they have a very complicated editorial policy around mm. so many things and we won't even try and drill into making no. sense of that because it gets rewritten and reframed constantly, you know. But fundamentally, you left MasterChef, the professionals, because they wanted you to give up a commercial partnership that was supporting a family of uh, family-run business that supplied and had supplied you with potatoes for as long as you can remember at La Gavroche. And you were like, no. Yeah. And they went, with, then you're going to have to leave. And you went, see you then, bye. Yep. <laughs> love, you, love you, bye. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? I, but, but, I mean, it was... It, even more than that, because they, they were, well, they still are, they're family friends. Um, the Bartlett family. These are the potato go, farmers, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, and the, Ronnie Bartlett, uh, Ronnie Bartlett's dad was a friend of my dad, uh, and we continued this partnership, and we're, we're friends. Yes, there's a little bit of money that comes my way for being one of their brand ambassadors, but it's it's family, it's it's friends, uh, and I I certainly didn't want to break that um, that little bit of work that I do for them. But most importantly, that friendship. And so I 
basically said to the BBC, I'm sorry, I'm not going back on this. Um, and uh, too bad. And I'm walking off. And you did. And you have. Yeah, yeah because, uh, well, let's not go into Ed Pohl, as they call no. it. I, the, at the very beginning, I, th I thought, who is this guy, Ed Pohl? <laughs> <laughs> and then I found out it was editorial policy. But basically, you know, like when whenever your computer updates and it goes, you have to agree the terms of the update. No. Basically, that's it. But the BBC version, nobody ever reads it. I feel so sorry for the people that have to write it, knowing that literally their work will never be looked at by anybody other than people that are working in their department and possibly agents, lawyers. Agents, lawyers. It's designed for that. Absolutely. And and to be honest, I, I should have done my homework and I should have read it and I probably shouldn't have. Yeah. But there was a way out and uh, that way out was for me to back down and I wasn't going to back down. No. But don't you think there's so much power in not caring uh, about walking away? And when I say not caring, what I mean is that you're prepared to, right? So that <clears> gives you such leverage in every situation, especially when your values are and your value system is so juxtaposed to the people making you those offers. So most people think, well, if you throw enough money at him, he's going to say yes, right? And you just go, that is never going to tickle my, you know, fancy. I'm sorry. So do you then find people just sort of staring at you a bit weirdly like, what is your motivation then? Because integrity has become so lost in our modern world. Yes, and that, and that whole sequence with the BBC was challenging my integrity, which is, that's why I... I I moved on. But, but talking, uh, just a, a little anecdote of many, many years ago, many, I mean, we're talking probably about 20 years ago. Um, a, and, oh, yeah, we were allowed to, we were still allowed to, no, no, that's it, I remember now. The law had just changed, brought into no smoking in the restaurants. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was about 20 years ago. And uh, busy evening service and a table of, five or six um, and they finished the main course and one of the guests got a big fat cigar and pff, lit up the cigar so the manager went up to him, this gentleman and said i'm sorry sir ashtray not allowed to smoke would you kindly put that out and he looked at him and he went no i want to smoke my cigar so i said no you're not allowed to Please, this is disturbing the guests and it's not actually not allowed. Don't care. Call me the owner. So <laughs> manager came into the kitchen, came to see me, and he said, sorry, chef, but we've got a problem here. So I went to go and see him, presented the ashtray again, and said, I'm sorry, you have to stub that out. Finished. And he looked around and he said, okay, I'm disturbing the guests. Go around and tell all your guests it's free tonight. I'll pay for them all. I looked at him and I said, nah, sorry. That's just not going to work. Cigar out. Finish. Then he looked at me and he said, okay, how much do you want for your restaurant? I'll buy your restaurant. Name your price. Yeah, yeah, I'm not joking. How much did he drunk at, at this point? <laughs> no, they were still okay. They, they'd been drinking, but not that much. Wow. So, I mean, he so... was—he still knew what he was talking about. But I gave him the ashtray again, and I said, no, 
you're not having this restaurant. It's not for sale. Stub out the cigar or off you go. And he stubbed out his cigar, gave me the ashtray and carried on eating. And he was back in his place. Wow. I mean, that's punchy. Oh, yeah. Him, not not you. (laughs) I've never had any regrets. But it would have been nice to see how far he would have gone. Just, just get a number on the back of a serviette, yeah? Like, go on then, what does it look like? How many zeros? <laughs> and then to still say no at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The championship season is over and what a season it was. But the best is yet to come. It's the playoffs. Who will make it to the Premier League? And who will be left heartbroken at Wembley? Stay across it all with the second tier. We're bringing you episodes after every leg. And in between, we're revisiting the greatest moments in playoff history. It's real conversation with two real championship obsessives. So you can be in the know about everything happening in the playoffs. And share all your new knowledge in the pub with your mates. So come join us. We're your one-stop shop for the playoffs. Search second tier in your podcast app. And hit subscribe. Are you ready for your second question? Le Gavroche uh, is famed for its world-class teaching and training and the great chefs that we've already touched upon who have subsequently learned their craft there. And the ones that we've named are just the ones that have television profiles. There's countless others working in world-beating restaurants around the world. But I wondered... Who have been your own greatest teachers, and not just in the kitchen, but in life, the people that have really, really informed who you are? Wow. Um, Well, I I would say I was very fortunate. I did a pastry apprenticeship in Paris at the age of 16, and um, he he taught me life skills as well as being a pastry chef. Uh, And he taught me about... Uh, respect and leadership. So he was the first one in in the morning, the boss, last one out at night. No job was too menial. If the washer-up kitchen porter didn't come in one day, he would get in there, roll his sleeves up and do some washing up. And very, very rarely did he raise his voice. But if he did, you knew you were in trouble. Um, and, And it was also taught me never to be late 
uh, and and just how to present yourself. So it was it was more than just you know the skills of being a pastry chef. It was life skills, and I think that's so important when you are that age and you you start in an apprenticeship to have a great mentor. Yeah, because as much as your father and uncle mentored so many others, maybe you wouldn't have yeah. taken it so well from a relative. So you almost mm. needed to go somewhere else to be just 100%. like everyone else in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah 100%. And then outside of hospitality, um, not that I've ever worked with Sir Alex Ferguson, but I've always looked up to him. And um, I, I mean, I've met him several times. I've cooked for Sir Alex and uh, yeah, such a wonderful man. But he was someone when he was in charge of Manchester United that would take a decision, stand by it, even if it was a very, very hard decision to, to, to make. Uh, and for the most part, if there was something to be said about uh, the players, he would do that in the dressing room and it would stay in the, in the dressing room. And he would always back up and not publicly uh, say any bad about any of his team or players. Mm. Um, and that is something which, um, which, which I always did here. If, if I had something to say to one of the team members, I would take them apart, have a word, not take them apart, take them <laughs> aside, aside, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> take them apart. No. Take them aside. Butchering uh, them. <laughs> and, and have a word. Yeah, have a word. <laughs> Never, ever reprimand them in front of the mm. others it, it, it's just wrong um and so it, it, I, I looked at sir alex in in many ways and uh, and really thought this is the way that you have to gel a team to work together and the way he got the best out of each individual mm. and i'm sure and i know some of them needed the famous hairdryer treatment and others just needed a hug or a particular way to get the best out of them. Yeah, he was um, he was quite an extraordinary leader. It certainly mm. didn't work to anyone's formula but his own, did he? Um, and as, am I right in thinking, you might know this better than I uh, as to whether or not this is true, but I, I believe that one of the things that he did with that sort of, it was, it was the, the team of, it was the, in the early 90s, he insisted mm. that all of the kids in the academy at United learn how to cook. Yes, I, <laughs> that's true. I actually did a little bit of uh, cooking with some of the team there as well. Did you? Uh, and I know that uh, he was very, very keen on getting the executive head chefs and the team there to be cooking and sharing some recipes with the uh, with the yeah. team. Yeah. His fear was that they would leave the grounds and go and, you know, un unaware of, you know, what life skills were needed to. Yeah. keep themselves going he, he taught them how to look after themselves and you know how to do the laundry and all that kind of stuff but really important um lessons on nutrition and the value of eating well hmm? yeah i think so it's, it's life skills it's not not uh, um too dissimilar from being an apprentice when i started yeah. it was life skills it was yeah. it was le learning respect uh learning the you know not to be late uh etc you know all of that it's interesting, I don't know if you've watched the Beckham documentary, but he touches very much yes. on his relationship with him. And you could see at times he was a father figure. At other times yeah. he was a hairdryer. Yeah. But what he was, was always there. And, yes. 
and the respect that David still holds for him, even though some of his decisions really hurt him in, in, oh. ultimately, um, it speaks it speaks of his leadership, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. A, a great man. And um, he's he's actually been in this room uh, a couple of times, uh, sat where I am here, uh, enjoying some uh, some nice food and some jolly nice wine too. Whilst you literally study everything he does so you can go and kind of replicate. <laughs> I've got his book up there, actually, on the bookshelf. <laughs> Sign a copy. So nice, though, when you can start to become close to somebody that you really admire um, yeah. and then not disappoint you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What about your daughter? Because I think being a parent teaches us so much. Um, and often in hindsight, because at the time we're quite busy just like keeping them alive. Um, but did you learn a lot? about yourself and about life as a dad? Um, yeah, it's, I, I have little tinges of regret that um, I didn't spend enough time with her when she was uh, a baby, a child, an infant. Um, you know, it's, that, that I suppose is, is life in the hospitality industry. Um, long, long hours, uh, especially in the high-end world of you know Michelin star restaurants, uh, and uh, yeah. Although she says no, she says no, no, no. You you were there all the time, Dad, and this, that, and the other. But I, I still think I could have spent more time with her. Mm. One of the reasons why I've stopped running the restaurant, and I can spend more time with my grandchildren. Yeah, what's that like? Because you get all the love of 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 a, of a you know somebody that's come from your DNA pool, but without any of the responsibility of getting them to bed every night. <laughs> Just fill them with sugar oh. and hand them back. Oh God, yeah, that's great fun. But uh, <laughs> and you can spoil them rotten, God. Totally. Yeah. None of it's, the consequences uh, are coming your way. <laughs> oh yeah, Emily. Emily does give me a hard time afterwards. Say, look what you look what you've done to him. Oh, anyway, but no, it, it is great. But I've, I've forgotten how much energy a four-year-old has. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. But also, it's um, you just start to see the world through their, their eyes again. It simplifies life on so many levels, doesn't it? It's beautiful. And, and having a conversation with a four-year-old, it, it's, it's just wonderful because they are so curious and they learn so much uh, and so quickly. It, it, and they pick things up and uh, it, it's it's beautiful i love it absolutely love it. um what have you learned from your wife because you've you've had a long and very happy marriage um and she's had to put up with you know you working the crazy hours that you do it's just mm. something you've acknowledged many times over the years but but what's what has that relationship taught you do you think and um, well if it wasn't for giselle i probably wouldn't be uh talking to you now in in, <laughs> in a sane um well, hopefully it's a sane and com comprehensible way uh she keeps uh, and still does well kept and still does keep my feet firmly on the ground and reminded me over the years of where i came from uh i didn't come you know from a very wealthy high-end family or anything like that uh, dad was a hard worker the uncle was and we have that in our dna uh and uh you know we, we should never forget that uh and and to stay humble and normal not big-headed as soon as i started getting any kind of semblance of a big head as giselle would say oi 
Yeah. That's enough now. Come back down to earth. Yeah, put it down. Yeah, yeah but, which is which is great. You know, it, it's. I think everybody needs that. Uh, and you know, the, I was going to say the hospitality industry, but but it's everywhere. People people do get big headed. Um, maybe a big contract comes their way, or a bit of stroke of luck, or whatever. Well, they win the lottery, and then before you know it, they're you know, big big head, uh, and uh, they they forget forget respect, forget to be humble and to uh, forget their origins and where they came from. Because actually, I mean, as much as you were born uh, on a, you know, and raised for your early years in, in, on a very wealthy estate, it wasn't your family's estate. They were no. the, the chefs there. <laughs> and as much as you catered to, um, you know, the rich and famous, I don't, I think that people often then therefore assume that, well, you must also share those fabulous riches, your Michelin star restaurant. But actually, very few restaurateurs uh, walk away with much in their pocket because it's such mm. a costly business. It's so high high risk in so many ways because you've no control how how busy you are. I mean, Le Gavroche was always busy, but um, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think well, people I, would look at yeah. you and think, "My God, you're, you go to bed in in cash," and actually, no, pocket. No, no. I mean, I'm I'm not complaining. You know, I'm a very wealthy person, uh, but I feel that. I have worked very, very hard for for what I've got, um, but yeah, for sure, the hospitality industry is not easy. You don't get into the hospitality industry to become a millionaire, that's for sure. Um, but uh, you know, I I was born almost born on a on the estate, but our little country cottage where where my mum and dad and myself uh, were living was a one bedroom little cottage. It was beautiful. But it certainly wasn't very affluent and uh, or, or you know, large in any respect. Um, and Dad used to grow vegetables and rare animals for the table, and we had a very, very frugal, very you know, basic uh, beginnings in the sixties and seventies. Mm. Uh, and then when we moved to London, the the house we had in South London was a semi-detached and very suburban kind of ordinary very ordinary it was a two up two down um yeah so dad never drove a ferrari or anything silly like that i mean neither did i yeah and you still live not too far from where you were raised in south london don't you absolutely i'm from south london and i get a nosebleed if i go further north <laughs> um, okay my last question for you As you step into what I'm sure you hope is a more relaxing, reflective, less pressured way of life, what do you look back on now? Is this kind of this, it's not the closing of a chapter, maybe it is the closing of a chapter. Um, mm. And think, gosh, I wish, what, what, what do you know now that you wish you'd known then that might have saved you some pain along the way? Um, well, it definitely is a closing of a chapter. So closing of uh, Le Gavroche here on 43 Upper Brook Street. Um, but as I said earlier, we are taking it on the road, um, and it, so it's closing closing of a chapter, but not the closing of the book. The book. Yeah, and I think that's important. Um, what have I learned on this journey? Hmm. What do you wish? What do you know now that you'd wish you'd known so many years earlier that might have, I don't know, helped you play things differently, less painfully? I don't know. 
It's difficult because I, I, I never dwell on mistakes or bad experiences. I, I try and, uh, and push them to the back and move onward. I, 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 I like to focus forward and on positives. I don't like, and I purposefully try and press the delete button and move on if something has gone wrong. And I think it's so important not to be afraid to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think at one stage of my life, I probably was afraid to make mistakes. Um, and I think you have to embrace mistakes. And if you do, then you learn from them and you're stronger for it. But then they're not mistakes, are they? They're lessons. Indeed. Exactly that. Yeah. yeah. Although you did just say earlier that, you know, you look back on your time as a dad when your, your daughter was young and wished that you'd uh, spent more time with her. So now you're trying to correct that. So actually there is a case in point of lessons learned, right? I'm not going to let that happen again because I'm regretful of that. So I'm going to be here for my, for my, my grandchildren. Yes, I suppose so. Um, it's, I suppose actually in the hospitality industry, we have to address uh, long working hours, unsociable hours, working on Saturday and Sunday, uh, and, and work conditions. Um, and I think we have to a certain extent, but there's still more we could do. Uh, sadly, there are still some dinosaurs out there that, uh, that insist that their staff work ridiculous hours, uh, and 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 there's no no positivity and no no reason why it's not necessary. Mm. Uh, so I think we have to, as an industry, address that and change. I can't imagine that you'd walk away from a conversation like that as well if you can roll up your sleeves and help, even though you no longer are running a restaurant. I'm sure you'd like to have, have a say, stir the pot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, too right. <laughs> too right. Um, what does the next year look like for you? Because for the last mm. 35 years, you've known what every year looks like. This one, uh, slightly different. You know, your diary. Yes, yeah, so my diary is absolutely jam-packed. It, it's crazy. Um, but not every night. So I've got nights where I can go home, cook some dinner, rustle something up for Giselle. We can pop a cork on a nice bottle of wine and, uh, and watch a movie on Netflix or, I don't know, EastEnders. I haven't watched EastEnders. But is it still on, by the way? It is, apparently, yes. <laughs> but you're, you must be at least 30 years since you were able to catch it on a regular basis. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, normality. So a little bit of normality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, good luck with it. And thank you so much for sharing some of your fantastic stories with us today. Um, the new chapter. Can't wait to read it. Quite literally. <laughs> and I'm off now to cook my teenager, your lemon butter garlic chicken. And it looks delicious. Don't forget, you need a bit of bread to dunk into that those lovely juices good bread as well yes <laughs> yes oh michelle rue a genuine kitchen legend and if you want to cook like michelle don't forget his new book at home is out now so if that's left you smacking your lips for more conversations with other great chefs and cooks we've got 
fantastic episodes in our back catalogue with Dame Prue Leith, Rick Stein, James Martin, Marcus Waring, who trained at the... Um, in the Rue Kitchen, Tom Kerridge is there, Lisa Faulkner, John Tarode, the Hairy Bikers, and Faye Ripley. They're all waiting at the pass, waiting to be served to you. All you got to do is hit download. I'll be back on Tuesday with a special snack-sized episode from the White Wine Question Time seller. Until then, thank you for listening. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The championship season is over, and what a season it was. But the best is yet to come. It's the playoffs. Who will make it to the Premier League? And who will be left heartbroken at Wembley? Stay across it all with the second tier. We're bringing you episodes after every leg. And in between, we're revisiting the greatest moments in playoff history. It's real conversation with two real championship obsessives. So you can be in the know about everything happening in the playoffs. And share all your new knowledge in the pub with your mates. So come join us. We're your one-stop shop for the playoffs. Search second tier in your podcast app and hit subscribe.